The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with singing and giving. Uh, tonight I want to talk to you about a subject that uh, is not new. It goes all the way way back to Genesis chapter 3, where the Bible says Satan was the most subtle creature. He was probably, as any commentary I've read, said that Satan was so beautiful, the animal or the creature he inhabited at least, to come and talk to Eve, that it was was right under man as far as their beauty. Uh, Maybe the most beautiful of any creature that God had created. Uh, the title I get, uh, I borrow the title from a message I heard years ago, but Jack Kyle's called Sin, Take Off Your Pretty Coat. That Definitely this is not his message. This is all me tonight. But I want to try to illustrate for you. The last time I preached this was in 1995. I did rework it. And hopefully, what's that, 21 years ago? 21 years of living has helped the uh, preacher. It's going to be preached through to look at it a little differently. I, I hope I'm better, more like Christ said in it was 21 years ago. I hope I'm not going the other way. You know, the grouchy old man syndrome type deal. My wife and I have determined that this year we're going to be more positive than we have been in the past years, whatever that means. But I'm positive about it. I mean, we're going we're gonna to try to complain less. If not, if, if try to stop all complaining, but that, that's bigger than maybe. <laughs> I've, learned, I've learned as I got older, don't say all, and don't say never, and don't say always. Those were big words, and those, those cover everything and make you, make you a transgressor, and so don't do that. But by the grace of God, we'll be more positive this year just about a lot of things, and we took our Christmas lights down finally. How many of you still have your Christmas lights out? Wow. Here, I thought my wife kept them up the longest. No, some of you still have them up. How many keep them up all year long? Nick Carbon. I knew Nick would be back there. Nick Carbon keeps them up all year long. Yeah, I'd like to. One of the most deceptive, the Bible says Satan, the old dragon, called by 14 different names in the Bible, really, that he, one of his strong abilities is to deceive, to make you think black is white and white is black, to make you believe something that's not true. The Bible said the God of this world that blinded the minds of them that believe not. When we go door to door, we see that so carefully, so plainly, that he's blinded their minds. Here we are. We're by their door. God has sent us there. We've taken everything off. We've prepared. We're there to give them the best news. We're not asking them for money. We're not asking them for a, a to be a member of Gospel Baptist Church. We're not asking them. We're just there to tell them the best news we ever heard. We're there to share with them Jesus Christ and how he died and was buried and rose again. They can be saved and have their sins all forgiven 
and have a place in heaven and, and to give them the gospel. And they can, and their minds are so blinded that they throw us out. Many times they say, you know, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Goodbye, goodbye. And I think, poor soul. Sometimes God leads me to tell them, Did you, do you realize that God has come by your house today? And I'll say, what do you mean? I said, God has come by your house today through me. I'm not God, but I represent him and, and I'm an ambassador of Christ, and he's come by your house today, and you're missing it. You're blind. There's a blinding process. The devil's uh, strongest uh, ability, if you want to call it an ability, is to blind people, to deceive them. Uh, he causes sin to appear to have a reward. He dazz it dazzles your eyes and excites your senses and enhances your pride. If you would come with me in your imagination, and as I try to describe some situations here, maybe as ineptly as I, I, I do, but I'm going to give it my best shot to try to give you a mental picture of what happened in a few situations here. Let's walk back, if you would, in your imagination with me to the Garden of Eden. A woman walks through a beautiful garden. The garden is beautiful. It is lush. It is spectacular in color, smell, the variety of it. She gazes at the lush fruits and the deep green leaves being brushed by a balmy breeze. The Bible says they had no clothes. We know the temperature was right. She notices a monarch butterfly land lightly upon a variegated colored flower. I love flowers. I like, I like the things that God has made. She notices a honeybee moves from blossom to blossom, gathering pollen. She lifts her head up and notices out of the corner of her eye a creature of outstanding grace and form. This creature is a picture of fluid movement, magnificent, vivid, almost fluorescent colors. The multi-integrated, perfectly joined scales have a wet look and reflect the sun almost like a rainbow. She moves more closely to peer more intensely at this marvel of God's creation. As she approaches, the creature weaves and bobs with surreal grace and fluidity. Almost without effort, it lifts its head to head height so its ebony eyes can peer into her powder blue eyes. Her pulse quickens as she moves closer. No fear is sensed by the creature or her as they come within just a few feet of each other. To her surprise, the creature speaks. Its voice is as smooth and pleasant as its appearance, melodious and soothing. Her ears rejoice to drink in its sound. Yea, he speaks, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Surprise, Eve, you're talking to the most dangerous being ever created. Beware, Eve. Beware. Under that magnificent pretty coat 
is deadly poison. Death and misery and heartache and weeping and groaning and and untold amounts of agony and fear and anger and lust and murder are just feet away from you. Watch out, Eve. Under that pretty coat is deception and lies so powerful that he, the Bible says, can deceive the whole world. Eve, do not be deceived by the beauty, by the movement, by the fluidity, by the sound, by the smell of it all. Because underneath that pretty coat is death. Sin in its pretty coat can take down the strongest man. It took down the first woman and the first man. But it also can take down the strongest man who ever lived. There was a strong young man walking through a valley named Sorek. A valley in which a woman lived there by the name Delilah. It is a pleasant day. A day that you're glad to be alive. I had one of them the other day. When the temperature went down, I just walked out like this. I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I had me a little spell out there. I love living in the country. Nobody cares. Nobody looks at you. Thank you, Jesus. What a beautiful day this is. Man, I could hear the birds. Well, some birds. The loud birds. There was not a care in this young, strong man's mind as he greeted people along that road. Hello, I'm Samson. What's your name? Oh, and out of the corner of his eye, he thinks he sees an angel. The epitome of perfection, form, and grace. He looks harder as she seems to rhythmatically walk along the road. Her coal black hair holds the sun prisoner. Her eyes invitingly glance his way. Uh, her eyes shine as the sun. Her lips shine as if dipped in honey. She turns and speaks. Are you Samson? Oh, uh, are you the strongest man in Israel? Well, uh, your reputation precedes you. Oh, you got big muscles. Oh, that's nothing. For a, mo for a moment, all his mighty strength leaves him as he answers her gentle voice. How about coming over for some food and drinks to my house, Samson? After all, it's not too far from here. Samson, no, don't do it, Samson. Don't go underneath that pretty coat of femininity is cruelty personified. It will cost you, Samson, your eyes. Your strength will be gone. Your reputation will be gone. Your respectability will be gone. You will grind in the place where donkeys used to be. Don't go, Samson. Don't go. 
Samson. Look past the beauty. I think of another man in the Bible, a man by the name of Achan. I've meditated a lot about Achan. Does it ever bother you? Do you ever feel bad about Achan? I believe, I know the Bible, I know the Bible says that Achan had a wife. Now, you, many of you people have wives. You love your wife? You better say yes, it's going to be a long ride home. I love my wife. I thank God I got a wife. The Bible says a, a wife's a good thing. And it's from God. It says it's not good for man to live alone, you single guys. Better not preach anymore there. But anyway, I think of Achan. He had a wife. He looked forward to settling down. He was just one of the, he was not, a, <clears throat> none of the Israelites were professional soldiers. They were city builders. They had been in Egypt, their parents. In this case, their parents had been in Egypt. They were under 20 when, when they got, had to spend, they were 60 now, you know, because they had to spend 40 years out in the, out in the wilderness. But you understand, they were not trained warriors, really. They, they, they were no way their whole, like the Egyptians were, you know. They were, they were really builders. They were, they were makers and builders and farmers and planters and food producers. And, and they, were, they were nation builders. I think Achan, like you or like me, he had desires to settle down in this new land called the promised land. And the Bible says it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Very similar to Bonita Springs. If I've ever lived in a place flowing with milk and honey, it's Bonita Springs. Called Cinderella City. And if you don't have some silver, you don't live here. And I mean, I think he wanted to uh, raise a family. I think he wanted to be an organic farmer. That's what I think he wanted to be. But he was in the army of Israel. And like the rest of the Israelites, he must do his duty before he was able to have the land distributed. Once they conquered all that land, they'd have the land distributed. His tribe would get land distributed to that. Out of that tribe, he would get some acreage, maybe 100, 200 acres. I don't, actually, let me take that back. A farmer without machinery really can't farm more than about 80 acres, so 80 to 100 acres. Isn't that right? Well, that's it. I mean, all the farms up through Minnesota and up through Wisconsin, all of those uh, Scandinavians that settled up there, that was mostly 80-acre farms, 100-acre farms. Why? You, man, it's just too much work with horses and things to plant anymore, and that take care of more than that. So I think he thought, well, I'm going to get an 80-acre spread someday, boy. I'm going to, I think he meditated on it. He looked at the stars at night and said, boy, it'll be good. I think his wife and he huggle-snuggled. I think they talked about stuff. I think they shared their dreams together. Boy, our kids aren't going to have to wander in this old... They wandered 40 years in the desert. That was not fun. And our, our kids, they're not they're going to have a... Don't parents always want a better life for their kids? Not me. I want my kid just to have as good a life as I had. I think that'd be great. But but a lot of parents that have had, like my dad went through a depression, okay? And because he went through a depression, he always said, son, I don't ever want you to have to go through something like that. He didn't have food. There were meals. They did not have food to eat. The children did not have food to eat. He st they stole off of a train coal so they could be warm in the winter, stuff like that. And he said, I don't want you to be exposed to that kind of poverty. He said, God forbid you'd ever have to be exposed to that kind of poverty. 
So he wanted a better life for me that way. So I think they meditated about that. But you know, Achan had clear, clear orders, not only from his commander, but from God. Go forward. When the walls of Jericho fall down, go, go straight forward and kill everything that has breath. That's the men, that's the women, that's the children, that's the donkeys, that's the horses, that's the cows, that's the sheep, that's the goats, that's the dogs, that's the cats, that's the, that's the parrots. Everything that has breath, kill it. They were clear on the instructions. Don't take anything out of this city for yourself. Don't do it. It is cursed by God. Go forward. And so take nothing for yourself. Achan was not ignorant of that. He knew that. And Achan, Achan obeyed. He went across, I believe, the walls. He moved forward, killing all who stood before him in his way. He made his way through the initial defenses. And into, I'm going to just, through my imagination here tonight, if you'll come with me, he went to a place, he fought his way into a lush, rich neighborhood. The soldiers there, there were not hardly any resistance, so they fanned out. He entered into one home alone. This home was not just a home, this was a mansion. It was like something he'd never seen. He walked into it, there were a few people in there, he dispatched them. He enters into the front of the estate with this magnificent mahogany, marble, granite everywhere. He walks to, into the master bedroom looking for people <clears throat> and animals. He sees gold crown molding and tapestry on the wall, something he's never seen before. In the dressing area, as he goes in the dressing area and quickly looks for somebody, what catches his eye as a Beautiful Babylonish garment. Ladies, you've had it happen to you. You've gone through a store and you've looked at, all of a sudden your eye sets on something. That is just absolutely beautiful. That's what happened to him. He, 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 uh, he saw this uh, gorgeous, beautiful Babylonish garment. Uh, somehow uh, the owners of the house, knowing what was, that they were being attacked, uh, the lady of the house must have thrown her favorite garment, the most expensive garment, on the bed. And, 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 and as he picked this garment up to look at it, underneath, to his surprise, was about 80 pounds of silver and about 20 pounds of gold. Wow. And he had his orders. He'd never seen this much wealth in one place. He pictured, as, a, as, as possibly as the devil came by and began to whisper to him, he pictured, his dear wife, and what she would look like in that garment. Ooh, you know, his, his woman, she had worked like a dog her whole life. She had never had a beautiful garment like that. He would love to have seen her in it, loved to have rewarded her faithfulness and hard work with his garment. And, and that silver and that gold, why, the future of my kids. Man, what could I do? 80 pounds of silver and 20 pounds of gold. Why, I'd be able to, once the war's over and I get on my little homestead, I could buy some horses and I could buy some donkeys and I could get some equipment and maybe get a single plow. And, and, and man, we could prosper right off the bat. By the way, the folks that own it, they're dead. They won't miss it. Stop, Aiken. Quit looking at the beautiful garment, Aiken. 
Don't feel, don't hold, don't lift up that weight of gold. That don't, don't put it down, Brother Aiken, put it down. Because these things that you're holding are the end of all your dreams and your family's dreams and the dreams of your life. See past the pretty coat. See past the beauty of it. See past the temporal value of it. Stop, Aiken. See it for what it is. It's death to you. The Bible says in Joshua 7.24, And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them into the valley of Achor, and there they stoned him. Achan. The devil doesn't come by your house as some old ugly, nasty thing with no reward and no benefit. The Bible says Moses was tempted to obey the beauty of sin for a season, wasn't he? Really. The pleasures of sin for a season. He had any Egyptian woman would have, would, have, would have done anything to marry somebody like Moses in a place of power. By the way, Moses was a good-looking man. He was, he was a strong man. He was an educated man. It was the beauty of Bathsheba that cost David his four children and his reputation, plus any grandchildren. It was the beauty of Jezebel that cost Ahab his throne and his life. It was the beauty of the serpent that cost the woman her position, ladies, and replaced it with pain. I don't think birthing children would be very painful had it not been for the serpent. And I don't think women would be under the subjection that they are to their husbands had it not been for the serpent. You ladies ought not to like snakes legitimately. By the way, you say your snakes beautiful. They are beautiful. I had a bunch of chicks. And when you have little chicks, they go beep, 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 beep. That is the call to every predator in the world coming to eat me. So I got these little chicks outside in a cage, and they're protected, right? I got electricity around them. But they're outside and they're going, beep, 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 beep. And I go out there at night and I hear them like really messed up. They're, they're, they're excited, you know. They're not happy. It's not a happy sound. So I go out there with this big floodlight. And hanging down about this far from the top of the cage is some of the, one of the most beautiful, wet look, shades of yellow. I have ever gazed upon. It was a rat snake. A yellow rat snake. Beautiful snake. Just, I sat there and just, it looked wet. It was shiny, smooth, and its movements were so graceful. And, and, I, and I got thinking about the Garden of Eden. This is a fallen, cursed creature I'm looking at. And then I blew his head off. 
but I did meditate upon the beauty a while. The other day, Tyler, my night watchman at my house, calls me up and says, there's a diamondback rattlesnake out on our yard, out on, right out on the driveway. I said, well, how big is he? He said, big, man, big. I says, well, you know what to do. But you know, they're beautiful. I've been close to diamondbacks. And just the diamonds, I mean, diamonds are for, ladies love diamonds. I don't think it's coincidental that there's the diamondback snake reminding the girls. Sin's not going to come by you and not offer you something. Sin's not going to come by you and say, ah, Man, my consequence is doing me is hell and judgment and awful stuff. No, sin's going to come by and say, this is good for you. This is going to help you. This is going to be right for you. This is going to make you like, and like he did them, he's going to make you, this information is going to make you like God's. Knowing the difference between good and evil. It was the beauty of Delilah that made Samson forget his vows and lose his hair. Annie's eyes and his position. Don't think, I bet you Delilah was unbelievable. I've seen Delilah a couple times. It was outward beauty and appearance of holiness that attracted the people to the Pharisees. This is a little different twist to it. Matthew 23, 27, Jesus' words, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for... Uh, Ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward. There it is. But within, full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Sin, take off that pretty coat. Take it off. By the grace of God, you and I need to learn that when we're tempted to stop and not be enamored, by the, by the pleasure of the temptation, by the momentary delight of the temptation, by its thrill, by its excitement. But remember the consequences of that. And that'll help you stay away from it. Through the years when women have made, uh, they pass by, they try to get me to do things. I always think, oh my, are you out of your mind? The consequences, and it helps you to stay away from sin. I think of commercials on smoking. Most of you remember the old Marlboro commercials. Man, it's a big old he-man, 200-plus pounds, got cowboy boots, just got off his horse from all day, got a six-shooter. He's a man's man, you know. He comes in there, takes a cigarette, smokes. What they don't see is when he's down to 90 pounds, and he's sucking out of a tube because they took his larynx out. And he's in a, he's got a hole in his throat here. And he's got phlegm that he's trying to cough up and can't get it up. Sounds like he's ready to cough the bottom of his lungs out. And he's sitting there gasping for his last breath before he dies. Because cigarettes come like, we're going to make you cool. Remember when all the movie stars smoked? And if they didn't smoke, you weren't cool. You weren't cool. I think of the commercials of alcohol. Oh, my. They even make them funny. You, you remember when there was three contented frogs sitting by a lily pad croaking, Bud, were, Bud, Zer, 
wise, wise, zur, bud, bud, wise, er. Remember that? Oh, we laughed. <laughs> there is nothing in America that has destroyed and damaged and just created pain and suffering more than alcohol. It outruns cocaine. It outruns uh, poly, uh, it, poly, it, what's that about? It outruns, I'm going to think of it here in a minute. It outruns heroin. It outruns cigarettes. It, it outruns uh, Oxycontin or whatever that is. It outruns synthesized heroin. It, out, it outruns morphine. It outruns every drug prescription out there. Alcohol is everywhere. What do they do? They sell alcohol with, man, this is going to make you feel like a man or this is going to make you like a woman or this is going to make you better. Sin, take off that pretty coat. And under it you'll find agony. I started to cut my teeth in preaching it. Faith missions, what they call faith missions. That's where people with their alcoholic go. The one Chicago Pacific Garden mission, the most famous one. We had one in Elkhart, 100 miles away. And I saw, and my dad wisely, by the way, took me to those faith missions and had me introduce himself. And I'd, I'd, I'd meet this guy. He stunk. He had puke in his hair. His teeth were shot. I mean, I can't even describe him to you. He looked so bad. And I said, and my dad would say in front of me, and say to the man, what did you used to do? I used to be a lawyer. I used to be a doctor. I used to have a family. I had kids. What my dad was doing to me, he didn't sit there and preach against alcohol. He just showed me, this is what it does. And even at that, I was stupid enough. And sometimes to do some horrible things with it. You come with me to a local bar where every girl is, is beautiful and every man is a hunk and look at their laughter and their happy faces and notice their eyes sparkle and their head thrown back in contortions of hilarity. All is well in bar land. Everyone is happy in the height of their lives. Then you go to the home of the woman who just been beaten to a pulp by a drunk husband has to have reconstructive facial surgery because he caved in her sinuses. And he threw his kids up against the wall when they cried. That was my uncle. It happens. To the best, oh, how about an accident? My wife's coming down to see me in Key West, coming for vacation. She's worked hard all year. She wants to go on vacation. Three o'clock in the afternoon, a 19-year-old boy drunk hits the side of her 60 mile an hour. They sent me a picture. She's black and blue in her face and beat up. But you know, if it wasn't for God Almighty, she may have been dead or a cripple the rest of her life. You tell me it's okay. I joined MAD, and I'm not a mother. M-A-D-D, -D, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Sin, take your pretty coat off. Where's the laughter now? Where's the happy faces now? Where's the good life now? Where's the gusto now? I think of, I, I got to stop, but I think of how that sin portrays itself through romance novels. Oh, I'm getting real personal now. Or chick flicks. 
you know, chick flicks have made more girls dissatisfied with their husbands. If you wouldn't watch the chick flicks, you wouldn't expect more than the guy can deliver. Because we're not that romantic. And all the women say it. I tell my wife straight up and down, I'm no good at romance, but I'm a great maintenance guy. And she says, we put way too much on romance, and that's because of those chick flicks, and that's because of those novels, and that's because our little girls read them things and, and get in their imagination, and they dream of this Prince Charming going to come by. Rather than her serve him, it's he serve her. Take off that pretty coat. Take it off. I hope you realize that sin is going to come by wearing a pretty coat of some kind. It's going to come by you as sure as I'm speaking to you, as sure as I preach this, the devil will come by you his demons, he's going to try to get you to do something wrong that God says is wrong, like he did Achan. You knew what was right and wrong, and you know what's right and wrong. It's not knowledge that's the problem. The problem's usually not knowledge. The problem is deception. You start believing him more than you do God. Achan believed that voice on the inside. It was telling him this okay, rather than believing Joshua when he said, if you do, don't do this. This is accursed. Father, help us tonight to get it. Save some people here tonight from tragedy. Save them from alcohol, life of alcoholism. Save them from, from lung cancer and smoking. Save them from uh, 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 dissatisfied marriages. Save them, Father, from disobeying you for some hilarity of this world. Help us to forsake the pleasures of sin for a season because ultimately it has to go all to death. All sin works death. And obedience in Christ and trust in God that loves you and gave himself for you works life. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.